Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. These flowers are given in celebration, pretty big celebration, 50th wedding anniversary. Jeff and Julie Bradford, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? Jeff and Julie, where are you at? Congratulations. Yeah. 50 years married with Jeff. Julie, there should be some sort of prize. Anyway, if you didn't get the communion elements, would you please raise your hands? The guest services team, they'd like to get you uh, some of those uh, packets out. Anybody didn't get the communion right down here? Anybody else that uh, didn't get that? We'd certainly like to uh, have you participate. Again, we practice open communion here at Walloon. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're welcome to join us. So we'd love to have you participate with us. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9 tells us, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. We're all sinners. <laughs> but, here's the great news. After we sin, if we confess our sins to Christ, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The reason we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, is because Jesus took on all our sin on himself. Think about that, okay? Jesus took all of our sin in the past, Everything you've ever done that missed the mark, that wasn't in alignment with God's Word, Jesus will take care of any sin that you commit present tense today. And Jesus already got tomorrow covered for us. Okay, He's, gonna, he's already paid the price for anything that we do wrong and miss the mark coming tomorrow. So that's what this is all about. We're remembering what He did in offering His body and His shed blood for us. He paid the price. What I'd like you to do now, would you just bow your heads, shut your eyes, and let's just take a few moments because we're remembering what exactly Jesus has done and for us to remember that and uh, just have dirty hands, uh, mouths, minds, wills, and just march on as though that's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. That's what we're celebrating, what Jesus did. And let's invite the Lord. Would you show us where sin hasn't been confessed? That's what we just read. Where we haven't run to the cross and written the check of confession. Our accounts are already marked paid in full. That's the good news. Now we want to deal specifically with what Jesus is making clear. Not just going to lay there and pretend it's okay, because it's not. You call it sin, we're going to call it the same thing. And we're going to confess that. And we're going to ask as we confess for you to wash and cleanse and purify us. We want to get back right with you, so make yourself clear right now. Would you please, Lord?
One of our elders here, George Graham, is going to come now. And uh, would you thank the Lord for offering his sinless body on the cross for us? Uh, Father God, thank you so much for um, sending your son, uh, Jesus Christ, to come in and uh, to give his body for a sacrifice for what he did not deserve. And God, um, to take on the sins of the world um, in one motion is just awesome. And God, we are not worthy, but you make us clean through your... um, through your body to take on the sin. So thank you so much for that. And uh, we just want to give you praise. Would you open that top seal with me, please? 1 Corinthians 11 tells us, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread... When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pastor Bob Cook is going to praise the Lord for uh, allowing his blood to be shed to wash and cleanse and purify us from all of our sins. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning recognizing uh, who you are, Lord. You uh, are the one who came here to earth. And Lord, you lived a perfect life. And Lord, as we partake of the representation of the blood today, Lord, we recognize that that represents your death, your death on the cross, your payment for our sins. And Lord, we can have uh, a great, glorious future to look forward to because of what you did on the cross. And so, Lord, we remember that today, and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Carefully hold on tight to that cup and now lift that second seal. Up. 1 Corinthians 11.25 tells us, In the same manner after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As we uh, exit the auditorium this morning, the guest services team will be uh, receiving your gifts and offerings for our benevolent fund. We do that every time we celebrate communion, which is the first Sunday of every month. And the Benevolent Fund funds our community needs ministry, and it's available to help those in the church family with needs as well. Next Sunday, give me your attention, you, don't, you haven't heard this yet. Next Sunday is June 11th, and our longest serving missionaries will be with us. Carl and Cindy Reed, this is Cindy Reed's 
Home Church. Uh, they've been serving in Indonesia. Cindy's been there for 50 years. So that's a big deal. They are retiring from the field, and we would like to celebrate 50-plus years of faithful service by Carl and Cindy Reed. I would encourage some of you, if that's uh, uh, something Lord might have you do, why don't you consider bringing a card to say thank you, Carl and Cindy, for all of your efforts and all of your service there to the people of Indonesia on behalf of us. That will be next Sunday. We'll be celebrating Carl and Cindy. We are in week number seven in our relationship series entitled Love Hurts. Week number one, we looked at the deal breakers. Uh, what are those red flags that are flying high where people where we might be tempted to get in relationship with uh, and God's word warns us, back away or you're going to get hurt and harmed with that sort of behavior. Week number two, we found that to find the right person, you have to become the right person. And becoming the right person is more important than finding the right person. Week number three, we talked about being happy in relationships, and we discovered that happy doesn't last. I'm going to back this up because all I can see is flowers when I look over here. There you go. Happy is temporary. Happy is in the moment. Instead, contentment in relationships is lasting and it's powerful. Week number four, we looked at the biblical process for resolving conflict in relationships. First of all, you go privately to the one you're in conflict with. Second, you take a witness with you to seek to resolve the conflict. Third, if that doesn't solve it, take it to the church. Take it to the church elders. Week number five, Pastor Brandt shared from God's Word, and he talked about when I need it my way, I get in God's way. And uh, he said instead, be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another, putting the other person first in reverence of Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, we looked at the dirty little secret. Remember that? Our dirty little secret is this, our feelings and our emotions and many of our thoughts are liars. <laughs> Feelings are like toddlers. Train them or they will train you. We need to learn to win the battle for our brains by learning to capture any smelly thought that doesn't line up with God's book and make it obedient to Christ. Today, week number seven, we're going to discover that in every relationship, eventually, give me your eyes, there's going to be hurt and harm and offense. Okay, Live around someone long enough and eventually they're going to hurt you or you're going to hurt them. Or more likely, Myron, it works both ways. So at that point, either the relationship is over and finished or somebody needs be, to be willing to seek forgiveness and then somebody needs to be willing to grant forgiveness. Here's a fact worth writing down. Here's the big idea today. You ready? Growing, flourishing, thriving, long-term relationships are not possible without forgiveness. Just not possible. Relationships that are strong and lasting 
require frequent episodes of forgiveness. Or uh, Pastor Brandt said it this way, I like it. A relationship can't live if we don't forgive. I like that too. Okay? So, before we dig into why we must forgive to preserve relationships in our lives, let's quickly talk about why we don't forgive. Okay? Let's give some common reasons why we choose not to forgive. Because if it was easy, then everybody would do it and it would just be done. It wouldn't even be something we needed to talk about. But I, I would argue forgiving is the hardest thing we're called to do as followers of Jesus. So four common objections. This is why I don't want to let you off my hook. This is why I don't want to forgive you. First objection to forgiving is because the person who harmed me, Henry, they haven't apologized. Okay, They haven't told me or acknowledged what they did was wrong. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think they might even be a little smug that they actually hurt and harmed me. I'll consider forgiving when she says or he says they're sorry. And the response to that objection? In the meantime while I wait for them to come and grovel at my feet, I'm going to fill my life up with the poison of unforgiveness. That, that's the problem. In the meantime, I'm only hurting and harming myself. Second objection to forgiving is some hurts are just too big and too hard to forgive. Some harms, like abuse, just too great to forgive. I think it was, frankly, unforgivable. And here's the response, okay? The bigger the hurt, the more damage it's doing to me, okay? The, the more I've been harmed, it's like holding on to broken glass and squeezing it and saying, that, that hurt, and, and yet I'm hurting and harming me by choosing not to forgive. Third objection to forgiving, I'm waiting for the right time, okay? Right now it's too fresh, Maybe I'll forgive in a few months or a few years because time heals all wounds, right? Right? You've heard that. And here's, here's the response. Why should we surrender our future joy and peace to someone who hurt and harmed me and they might not even know they did it and many of them they don't care, but in the meantime, I'm going to surrender my peace and my joy in my life. Fourth, objecting to forgiving. I'm not willing to forgive because I'm pretty sure they're going to do it again. I'm pretty sure they're going to harm and crush me again. Are you ready? Here's the response. It only takes one person to forgive. You're talking reconciliation. That might or might not happen. It takes two to reunite, okay? But forgiving is me and the Lord can forgive has nothing to do with reuniting and reconciling. Let's move on now. Locate with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to find verses 14 and 15. Matthew 6, where God instructs us about forgiveness. Would you stand if you're able? Let's read out loud. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. 15 together. You ready? Read with me. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. 
But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's do that again, Dan, one more time. Verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Lord, help us today to learn what your book, your inspired instruction manual for our lives has to say about forgiveness. And I want to pray especially for those who are here in the building as well as those who are watching online. Some, some of us have been harmed deeply and repeatedly. And the thought of forgiveness is really hard. So we're going to need your help, Lord. We're going to need your spirit. We welcome you today and your spirit to come and take charge in this church. And I pray that you would use the power of your spirit and the power of your word to show us how on earth we can forgive and let people off the hook. So we need you. We know that. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one forgiving voice, you can be seated. My goal today is to convince you to begin a life of forgiveness. My goal is that you would leave here today convinced this, this forgiveness stuff isn't just a good, nice, warm, fuzzy thing to do. My goal is to convince you that to forgive is actually uh, an invitation to have an amazing, um, joy-filled, victorious, make-a-difference life. And, and without forgiveness, you can't have that victorious, make-a-difference life. Matter of fact, forgiveness is a torture, and it's choosing to poison ourselves and that poison is unforgiveness, okay? We're going to cover a lot of ground today. I realize it's going to be a bit like drinking out of a fire hose. I apologize, but we're only going to do this uh, one time in this series. So I would encourage you, why not take notes? You're here. Why not remember what you learned while you're here? And maybe you will need to refer back to this in the days and weeks ahead, or maybe help someone else who's struggling with not forgiving, okay? First reason we should devote ourselves to forgiving is because Jesus tells us clearly in the passage we just read that if we don't forgive others, then the Father won't forgive us. So if we don't choose to learn and obey and get good at forgiving, then the Father will not forgive us. Verse 15, Matthew 6, But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we don't learn to forgive as God's Word commands, this isn't a suggestion, it's a command, our relationship with the Lord suffers. Okay, let me, let me explain it this way. Assume just for a moment 
that I'm a math teacher in high school, okay? That would never happen, but, you know, just assume, okay? So PJ is a math teacher, and in my math class is my son. And we tried to change it, but they said, it's no big deal, just let your son take the class. So my son is in my math class, and now we're at the end of the semester, and we take the final, and suddenly I discover that my son has been cheating. He's been looking at my computer, and he got the answers, and now the reason he's gotten an A in the math class is because he cheated. So now I have a question. Is he still my son after he's caught cheating? Go ahead and answer. Yeah, he's still my son. Is there going to be trouble at home between me and my son now that he's been caught cheating? And the answer is, oh yeah, okay? Going to be some strain in that relationship, okay? That's what he's talking about here, verse 15. When we withhold forgiveness and nurse grudges and anger and bitterness, we're choosing to live at odds in disobedience to God's command. The relationship has been damaged, okay? And I'm choosing not to do it God's way until I choose to forgive, okay? There is a wall between me and God the Father until I choose to do it Jesus' way, okay? Second reason that we must be diligent at forgiving is because if our lives are full of unforgiveness and anger and bitterness, um, how many of you are parents, grandparents, great-grandparents? Can I see your hands? Okay. Most of you. Most of you. And those that didn't raise your hand, many of you will be down the road. Uh, if we don't choose to forgive, we're going to pass that poison on to our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. It says down to our great-great-grandchildren. Well, where do you get that, Pastor Jeff? Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 9, Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, tells us pretty bluntly, he says this, I lay the sin of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me, on those who obey my commands. Okay? That's strong. Okay? You choose to live in disobedience, choose not to do it God's way, it's going to go down to the third and the fourth generation. So, follow me here. Live in an unforgiving way. I promise you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great-grandchildren will be affected. So if you're not going to do it for you, will you do it for the generations that follow? But there's a positive promise here. Go back, and it says, but if you do it God's way, if you choose to learn to forgive, um, and you drop the grudges, and you drop the anger, guess what? That gets passed on for a thousand generations. Okay? So you've got the positive, and you've got the negative. Which way are you going to go? Third reason why learning to forgive is essential 
is because I'm not willing to surrender my future joy and happiness to the person who has wronged me. I'm not going to surrender that. I'm not going to wait till they seek forgiveness and make things right before I choose to forgive. Ephesians 4, 30 and 31 tells us, put that up there, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of that garbage. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So, i got a choice. I can wallow in the manure of anger and bitterness and rage and hatred. That's all choosing not to forgive. Or we can forgive and be set free and enjoy the blessing of living the way that Christ has treated us. So, so that's, that's the question. Are we going to live as Christ has treated us? Or are we just going to let the old nature rip? That's a choice that we make. Fourth reason why we need to make forgiveness a priority is because followers of Jesus are at their best. Track with me. We shine brightest when we choose to forgive. When, when you and I have been hurt and harmed and we choose to let someone off the hook, you never shine brighter for Jesus than when we forgive. It's a powerful testimony for King Jesus. Acts chapter 7 tells us Stephen spoke up strong for Christ, so strong they took bricks and they fired him in Stephen's skull until he was dead. And there was this guy holding all the coats and his name was Saul And he later became Paul, and he writes, Watching Stephen die with forgiveness on his heart and on his lips, it cut Paul's heart and mind to the core. Powerful words, watching him die with forgiveness, changed Paul's life. I'm telling you, when we choose to forgive, what a great way to shine bright for Christ. Fifth reason it's essential we're good at forgiving is because angry, bitter, unforgiving people over time, are you ready? Become angry, bitter, lonely people. If you're an unforgiving person and you don't let people off your hooks, I promise you people will begin to back away. Where do you get that? Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Hebrews 12 in verse 15, tells us, uh, look after each other right here up on the screen, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness, no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Did you catch that? Poisonous roots grow. When, When I don't forgive... It grows and the roots go down deep 
and over time, people say, no, I, I don't think I want to be around you. Bitterness grows like a cancer. Bitterness grows, gets bigger, gets stronger, and just like a dog that bites, what do you do with a dog that bites? Tell me, what do you do? If there's a dog and you know it bites, you're going, you're going to back away. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to stay away from dogs that bite. People learn to keep their distance from bitter, wounded, angry, unforgiving people. Sixth reason why we must wake up to the power of forgiving. You ready? It's because to choose not to forgive, which is the only solution, the only remedy, according to Christ, means that we're sentencing ourselves to a life of torture. Torture. Where do you see that, Pastor Jeff? Matthew 18. Matthew 18 tells us verses 34 and 35. Then the angry king sent the man to the prison to be what? Henry's got it. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be until he paid back his entire debt. That's how my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. Torture. Think about it. And I'm here to tell you, anger, hatred, bitterness, holding on, filled with grudges, that's a life of torture. You will live that way until we forgive our brothers and sisters from the heart. The only solution to living a life of torture is to allow the forgiveness of Christ in us to let them off our hooks. Seventh and final reason why we must get good at forgiving is because forgiveness is the best way we can demonstrate our love and devotion to Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. The best way you can demonstrate to Jesus, I love you, I'm serving you, I'm all in, is to learn to get good at forgiving. Here's why. We just, we just celebrated communion. Jesus demonstrated his love for us best when he took our place on the cross. He forgave us all of our sins by taking all of our sin on the cross. Now, now track with me. And we demonstrate our love for Jesus best when we follow his lead and choose to forgive. Does that make sense? So he demonstrated his love for us by forgiving us. And now we demonstrate our love for Jesus by choosing to forgive just as he's already forgiven us. It, it just makes sense. I choose to forgive and follow your lead, Jesus. Allow me to repeat Growing, flourishing, thriving, long-term relationships, they're not possible without forgiveness. Relationships that are strong and lasting require frequent episodes of forgiveness. Or I'll say it again like Pastor Brandt does. A relationship can't live if we don't forgive. Okay? Now, let's just assume that you're convinced. Okay, you're right. I don't want to live a tortured life. I, I, I should do it God's way. I should follow 
what Jesus has done in forgiving me. Uh, so, so, okay, uh, practically now, how on earth can we forgive? Practically, what are the steps to forgiving God's way? Here we go. How do you do it? First practical step to forgiving someone who's harmed us is remembering its obedience to a command to forgive. Track with me. It, it means I'm following the command of Jesus Christ when I choose to let somebody off my hook. Okay? Because most of the time, I'm not going to feel like forgiving. If you wait till you feel like forgiving, you're probably not going to. I'm probably not going to. We learned last week that our feelings and our emotions are liars. So if you're just waiting to feel like forgiving, it's probably not going to happen. C.S. Lewis said it this way, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that true? Yeah, it's a great idea until you hurt me and now i got to let you off my hook. God never wastes our suffering. I'm telling you, new character, new maturity, new ability comes when I choose to do it God's way. Second step in forgiving is to remember that forgiveness doesn't mean reunion and reconciliation. Okay? Forgiveness has no strings attached. Okay? I can forgive somebody who never changes and never will change. I can let them off the hook and give them to Christ. Reconciliation, reunion, has many strings attached. Okay? Forgiveness doesn't mean that I trust you and everything's hunky-dory between us. Forgiveness is saying, Lord, I give them and this situation to you and I take my hands off. Third step in forgiving is to know that forgiving someone who's harmed me, it's not a one-time event. It's to enter into a process. Forgiveness is a journey. Okay, It doesn't happen instantly, and the greater the harm, the longer the journey. Here's how Lisa Turquist explains in her book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Uh, put this up. Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. You make the decision to forgive the facts of what if, what's happened. You are me. But then you must also walk through the process of forgiveness for the impact those facts have had on you. Okay? So it's, it's, it's a decision and it's a choice to enter into a journey. Now sometimes... After you choose to forgive, you're going to get tripped up because something is going to come to your brain, a bad memory of something that's happened, and, and this driver has hit me, and now I've lost my leg, and you've chosen to forgive, but every time you look at your running shoes, you're, you're, it's a reminder. Oh, and, and now you have to go back and, and re-enter into forgiveness. Fourth step in forgiving someone who's hurt and harmed me. This is huge. You ready? You can only forgive in the power of Christ and His Spirit in us. We can't forgive without the Lord empowering us to forgive. 
We looked at this last week. We're going to look at it again. Romans 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, in me. Uh, And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Okay, let's work this out a little bit, okay? Uh, Jesus, right now, I've, I've got a beef because this person has hurt and harmed me deeply. So right now, Jesus, I'm going to need you to empower me to let this person off of my hook. I have reason to be angry and upset. Lord, give me your heart of forgiveness not to hold this offense against them. Lord, empower me to quit talking about what they did. Empower me to quit thinking about what they've done. Lord, empower me to quit plotting revenge because I want to get even with them. Jesus, I know there's no power shortage when it comes to forgiveness. But I'm going to need you and your spirit to take charge and empower me to do something extraordinary, which is to forgive just like you've forgiven me. You got to have the Lord in you to do that. And tomorrow, when I wake up and I feel angry again, Lord, here I am. <laughs> I, I, I gave it to you, but I took it back, and now I need your spirit again. Empower me to forgive. Empower me not to take revenge. Help me to keep running to you, Jesus, and allow your spirit to drain the poison again and again until the poison drifts away. And eventually it will. Our God is not a do-nothing God. Our God is awesome, and He's always working in His children. He's always working on us. And Romans 12, 19 says, I'm going to let you take revenge, Lord. I'm going to give it to you, take my hands off, and you'll do a nice job at taking revenge. I don't have to worry about that. Fifth step in the journey, to forgive someone who stepped on me, Romans 12, 21. It says it real clear. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what? Okay, let's try that again. Uh, don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing... i got to do good stuff. Active good stuff. The secret to forgiving, according to Romans 12, 21, is to show them good. I'm going to pray for Kenny, who's harmed me. I'm going to quit talking about what Kenny has done to me. I'm going to start praying for Kenny every single day until the anger drains away. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Okay? This is good. This is, this is worth coming this morning all by itself. Think of ourselves as a house that God is renovating. Okay? You are a house. I am a house. God is renovating us, and we think we know the work that needs to be done in our lives. Okay? Eh, I got a few repairs here and there. Uh, But then God starts knocking down walls, (laughs) and we're confused. You know, Lord, this, this is turning into a major rebuild, and you thought all along, you know, Lord, just turn me into a decent little cottage, and, and I'll be fine. But here's what we forget. Jesus is building a palace. 
And a palace is meant for kings. And the truth is, King Jesus wants to come and live in our lives and rule and reign. And sometimes, I think it's just a little rebuild and remodel, and Jesus says, no, 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 I'm building in you a palace. A palace meant for me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We cannot change our past. I wish we, we could somehow undo the hurts, the harms, the damage that some have done to us. But we do have a choice. Okay, We can continue to allow the scars, the wounds, the abuse, the pain to pile on us. And, and slowly but surely, all that pain in time will crush us to death. It will poison our lives. Or, with the power of Jesus Christ living inside of us, we can begin the journey of letting go of the pain. Taking, taking the hurt to Jesus. Jesus, this is real and, and it's, it's deep, but I'm going to allow you to start your process in me to drain the poison, the anger, the resentment, and the bitterness. You can say it this way. We can choose to stay bitter or we can choose to get better with the power of Christ in us. It's a choice. Growing, flourishing, thriving relationships are not possible without forgiveness. They aren't. They aren't. Relationships that are strong and lasting require frequent episodes of forgiveness. A relationship can't live if we don't forgive. Let's pray. Speak, Lord. We're listening. And we invite you right now to apply your book to our lives. You know exactly where we're at. And the truth is, Lord, we need your help to even understand clearly what's going on in our lives. Speak. We're listening. Lord, I, I realize the hardest thing we're called to do is to forgive. And I think the hardest thing you had to do for us, Lord, was to take our place on that cross and all of our sin. We needed forgiving and that price was high. So the price for us to forgive is high. It really is. So we want to just acknowledge we need your help. Help us surrender the right to revenge. Lord, would you help us to quit talking about it and thinking about it and sharing it with others? Because, Lord, forgiveness really only requires me and you, Jesus. Reconciliation. Reunion, that's for another day to work through. Help us to begin uh, praying for that other person who harmed us. 
need your help. Anybody say as we close, Lord, I, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need, there, there's someone in some situation that you're bringing to mind, or maybe there's multiple ones. I'm going to need your help to forgive that, and I need your power. Anybody? Carl, could you close that door, please? Thank you. Forgiveness begins with Jesus on the cross. Forgiveness is not possible until you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Please understand, you can't give unless you've received the ultimate forgiveness that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you accepted His forgiving all of your sin, past, present, future? Have you welcomed Jesus into your life by faith? Because you can't pass it on until Jesus is in your life and brings His forgiveness with it. Jesus, I believe You took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe You shed Your blood for my sin problem. You took my place in the grave and Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning, victoriously, you arose from the dead. I believe you did that for me. Those are the facts of the gospel. I believe them by faith. And now, Jesus, I welcome you. I receive you. I open the door of my life. Come in. Forgive me. Take charge. Bring your Holy Spirit with you, Lord. I need you front and center in my life. And that's where the power comes to pass forgiveness on to others. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for what you've done for us. We're grateful, Lord, to be your children. We celebrate you. It's in the awesome name of Jesus we pray all of these things. Amen. If you're here in person, we'd love to celebrate with you. Make your way to the prayer corner. We'll get you going in your journey. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'll have a personal conversation with you. We'll help you on your journey as well. If you're able, let's stand. Let's worship the Lord in song as we close.